Hey friends, welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast. Again, so glad that you're listening today. This is the place where we explore what it means to intentionally live into a particular series of life rhythms that help us bring our best to each day, to each moment, and to each other as we encounter the world around us. And along the way, we're discovering that we thrive just a bit more when we move with thoughtful purpose toward a deepened sense of identity, that identity that we are spiritual, spirited people who have been gifted with a creative impulse, called to deeper connection with one another, equipped to dwell in the fullness of each present moment so that by living with grateful hearts and lives, we might practice generosity, which frees us to be missional people in the world. So this is episode 16, And I'm calling this one story, as in, we all have one. You know, if we think about it, we all have a story to tell, a life story, uh, maybe a faith story, a story nonetheless that when joined to the stories uh, of others, reveals the truth that together we're part of a much bigger story, one that has been unfolding since the beginning of time, and one that is ongoing, and a story that we're all invited to participate in. So uh, what I want to do with this episode is talk a little bit about um, how sometimes getting lost precedes being found, uh, what happens when you, uh, when you have too many M&Ms, um, and what it means to leave some room in order to make some room. So Uh, That's a bit about where we're going. There's a lot more, but uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, sometimes we need to leave the familiar in order to experience an awakening. That happened for me in August, late August of 2016, uh, when I hiked 150 miles of the Superior Hiking Trail in northern Minnesota. And goodness knows, uh, here in this community, I didn't hold back much at all. Uh, about sharing the planning process uh, with anyone who would listen. Uh, For months and months, I plotted and I planned. I tested gear. I read reviews on everything from freeze-dried food to lightweight tents and ultralight sleeping bags. I read reviews on rain gear and foot gear. And I even practiced some visualization so that by the time I finally hit the trail... I had a pretty good idea of what I was in for or up against, uh, depending upon the actual experience. So finally, after planning for every eventual outcome, I was finally on my way. Uh, It was a beautiful uh, Sunday morning and uh, I was ready to go. And just to make it easy on myself, even with maps and uh, GPS, and the official trail guide, I really only needed to keep one thing and one thing only in mind. And that was this, that while on the Superior Hiking Trail, going uh, from near the Canadian border, uh, southwest from Canada down toward Duluth, as long as Lake Superior was on my left-hand side, I was going in the right direction. And here's the deal. It was a fail-safe plan until it wasn't. And the first thing that happened on that Sunday morning 
is that I got lost. Now, at the, at the top of the trail, um, where the trail either begins or ends, depending upon what uh, direction you're going, the Forest Service had been doing a fair bit of logging. And um, things, were, things were kind of out of sorts. And, uh, and so, try as I might, I simply could not find the trailhead. And it occurred to me early on in this moment that I hadn't even started yet and I was already lost. And so after about 45 minutes of, uh, of just pure frustration and um, uh, just, just angst about all of this, I took my pack off, I closed my eyes, and I, I did something that I've done um, when I've gotten into moments like this. Uh, I took about a dozen really deep breaths and in the midst of that, I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll become a pastor. Wait a minute. I'm already a pastor. Lord, just get me, help me find the trail, okay? That was my prayer. I was over 300 miles from home. And the life lessons, the spiritual awakening, the, uh, the emerging of, of this part of my story was just beginning. And one of the most important truths was this, that sometimes you need to leave the familiar in order to experience an awakening. When it comes to leaning into the rhythms of thriving lives, knowing our story, knowing that we have a story to tell is one of the most important parts of the journey. Our faith stories matter so uh, we all have a story to tell, uh, but just because we have a story to tell doesn't always mean that we know how to tell it. In fact, most of us, if we're really, really honest, are at a loss to know exactly how to tell the story that's at work in us. And there's an ancient story in the Hebrew Scriptures that gives us a kind of a framework, uh, some, some architecture that, that helps us make sense of our stories so that, so that we can see how God is working through each chapter of our life story. Now, understanding our faith story does a couple of important things. First of all, it helps us become more aware of what God is up to in and through us. And second, it gives us some language for sharing our faith with other people who might be curious about why we believe what we believe. The ancient story of Jacob in the middle of the book of Genesis is a kind of template, as I said. It's, it's what we call a narrative archetype because it describes the kind of journey that we're all on in one way or another. Now, these kinds of stories, these narrative archetypes, include adventures that uh, are fairly common to all of us. Um, adventures uh, full of missteps and wonder, uh, mishaps and redemption, uh, leading to life lessons that understand, uh, help us understand some, some really core questions like, who are we and what are we doing here and where are we going and how how we, might we get to where we're going? When we do that, 
there's, uh, there's usually moments of rediscovery where we are able to rediscover ourselves and not in the same old patterns and contexts, but rather in the brand new places into which God is leading us. So what I want to do is I just want to read this story from uh, Genesis 28. The story about how leaving the familiar leads to awakening of life and more life. So let me read Genesis 28. This is uh, verses 10 through 22. Uh, I'm going to break this down a little bit for us. And then I'm going to give us two truths and a practice. All right, here's the story. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. And he came to a certain place and camped for the night since the sun had uh, since the sun had set. And he took one of the stones there and he set it under his head and he lay down to sleep and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground and it reached all the way to the sky and angels of God were going up and down on it. Then God was right before him saying, I am the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. I'm giving the ground on which you are sleeping to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. They'll stretch from west to east and from north to south. And all the families of the earth will bless themselves in you and your descendants. Yes, I'll stay with you. I'll protect you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this very ground. I'll stick with you until I've done everything I've promised you. So Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. He was terrified in the sense of being awestruck and he whispered, incredible, wonderful, holy. This is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. Well, Jacob was up first thing in the morning. He took the stone he had used for his pillow and he stood it up as a memorial pillar and poured oil over it. And he christened the place Bethel, meaning God's house. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on in that story. The, the whole point of this story, I believe, could be summed up uh, probably like this, that sometimes you need to leave the familiar in order to experience an awakening. Well, let me explain that. The experience of leaving home is both a physical as well as an emotional experience that shapes our life's journey. And often, this step in growing independence forces us to face the reality of our necessary dependence upon God, which is always an essential step in our spiritual formation. I'll say that again. This step in growing independence forces us to face the reality of our necessary dependence upon God, which is always an essential step in our spiritual formation. I mean, think about that chapter in your own life when you left home. Now, for many of us, it was a really critical time of evolving, a time of trial and error, 
a time of defining and redefining, a time of struggling and succeeding, of falling down and learning to get up again, a time of learning and growing all wrapped all up into one. It may also have been a time of awakening to the presence of God in a way that would not have been possible had you not left home. Well, it was all of that and more for Jacob as he traveled from Beersheba to Haran, which uh, is a distance of roughly 300 miles, a lot of time and a lot of land to do a lot of thinking. And he stops for the night. I imagine him taking his backpack off, setting it on the ground and sitting down wondering where he's going to rest for the night. And he finds that place, finds a rock for a pillow, whatever, and he has a dream. And in this dream, God communicates this bold promise. It's as if God says, Jacob, I have been with you and I am with you. And I will always be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be with you. And when Jacob wakes up, uh, he has the kind of response to all of this that if, if we posterized it or made uh, shutterfly magnets or t-shirts out of what he said or wrote it with lipstick on a bathroom mirror or put it someplace where we'd see this response every day, it would give us the courage to continue writing our own stories and then living into them every day. But, but first, before we get to what he actually said, let's just pause with this. This passage tells us that Jacob wakes up and realizes. Now, there are a couple of ways to read and understand that important sentence. You know, in one way, he was asleep and then he wasn't sleeping. He woke up and he had an insight like you do. You know, you're sleeping, then you wake up and you wonder, you know, did I leave the iron on downstairs? Is the stove still going? Is the uh, whatever. Or another way to understand and read this is to let this phrase, Jacob wakes up, be the way of saying something like, Jacob came to a brand new understanding uh, of, of what God was up to in his life. He had a new insight. He had an aha moment as to what God was doing in his life. And that, in this case, uh, Jacob realized that God was fully present at, at this time, in this moment, at this very place. And Jacob exclaims, he says, God is in this place truly, and I didn't even know it. I think that second way of, of sort of teasing this sentence out is way more engaging and conveys uh, a much deeper truth for all of us. So here's the first of a couple of truths that I think we can take away from this. Sometimes you have to leave in order to arrive. That to, to, to step deeply into a thriving life where all of the rhythms of, uh, of life are, are humming, that sometimes you have to leave in order to arrive. 
At the end of the month of October uh, this year, uh, faith communities all around the globe celebrated Reformation Day, uh, a powerful reminder that Martin Luther uh, knew well that sometimes you have to leave in order to arrive. The Reformation of the Church, which began 502 years ago on October 31st, 1517, is still going on. And the reformation of our spiritual, of our spirited lives is always progressing. We're always being formed. We're always being reformed. That this sense of reformation and renewal and reimagining is something that's always taking place in our lives. Now think about this. Think about where you were 5, 10, maybe 15 or even 20 years ago, if it goes back that far for you. There's a really good chance that you are not the same person that you were then. I mean, there's a really great chance that, that what you once thought about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, what you once thought about heaven and hell and church and the kingdom of God or the Bible or any number of things like this, has undergone a good deal of renewal and renovation and reformation. Thank goodness, some things that we were convinced of years ago no longer provide direction for our lives. But here's what we know. That journey toward awakening can be very challenging. It's often a really tough transition for many, many people. And for many people, it, it feels like leaving home. It feels like wandering. The journey from uh, wherever Beersheba, Beersheba is uh, in a person's life to wherever Haran is in a person's life can be filled with all manner of challenges. And I think about a lot of communities that I know where, where this transition, this, this journey between where a person once was and where that person is going is, is uh, done in a community where that's welcomed. But I'm also aware that for many, that any change, any transition from a certain way of thinking or a certain way of behaving uh, to move to uh, a new enlivened place of living and being, in some places, that is, that is not possible. It's looked down upon that if, if you're not talking the way everyone talks or being the way everyone is, everyone is being, then, um, then there's, there are some serious conversations. But I want to say it's a necessary leaving from Beersheba to Haran or whatever those places represent in your life. It's a necessary leaving which leads to powerful awakenings, awakening uh, to new ways of experience what God is up to through you. And I found that small groups and, and Bible studies and conversations in coffee shops, uh, these kinds of environments provide nurturing places to ask hard questions and explore new ideas, a safe places to share doubts and celebrate the wonders uh, about God. So let me ask you this, where are you? Are you, are you still home? 
Are you still back in Beersheba? Still holding on to the first narratives that you were handed as a young person? Or are you somewhere between Beersheba and Haran? Between where you were and where God is bringing you? Ask yourself, and and now be honest, do your first narratives about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about heaven, about hell, about the church, about the kingdom of God, and, and about the Bible, do your first narratives hold you back or do they move you forward? Do your first narratives seem now to be short sighted, limited in their scope, limiting you for, uh, uh, limiting uh, what you think about what it means to be fully human? Do you have a safe place to consider those questions, uh, to talk about all of that? Do you have a nurturing small group of friends to help process all of that? If you do, that's great. But if you don't, what would it take to find that new environment? And keep this in mind. Sometimes you have to leave in order to arrive. Now, here's the second truth. Sometimes God seems hidden right in plain sight. There are many places where we don't expect uh, to find God. I grew up uh, handed a kind of invisible list of the kinds of places where God was and God wasn't, um, and places where God could be found and places where God would never be found. And the places where I was told that God would never be found were actually pretty interesting. Uh, conveniently, the same list of places that I should never be found. Are you with me on this? But here's what I've come to know and believe. There is no place where God is not. And that's what this story of Jacob tells us. Think about this. There was only one place where Jacob expected to find God, and that was in the temple. That God was in the temple was the narrative that Jacob was handed as a boy. That God could be found only in the temple was the narrative that had been woven into Jacob's life. Um, Even from the ancient prophet Habakkuk, who writes this, God is in the holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. That was Jacob's first narrative. God is in the temple and the whole earth should keep silent. But here's Jacob in the wilderness. Jacob's in the wilderness of misunderstanding about where God is and how one should respond to God's presence. Jacob's in the wilderness and God shows up right there. God meets him, meets him in the wilderness of his own misunderstanding, meets him in the wilderness of not understanding who, um, uh, how God moves and, and how God interacts uh, in all of the places in our lives. And so God meets him and reminds him in the midst of the wilderness, Jacob, I'm here for you. I've always been for you. I've, I'll always be for you. It's a remarkable moment of clarity and understanding, a new understanding for Jacob. And so when Jacob wakes up, he's got this utterly new understanding of what God is doing in his life. And his response 
is amazing. He can't possibly keep his mouth closed. And so he, he gives us permission to see God in all of the places where we find ourselves. He says, God is in this place. Certainly, truly, for sure. And I didn't even know it. God is in this place and I didn't even know it. That gives me just the permission I need to have in order to wonder about all of the places where God meets me, where I'm not aware of it. So let me ask you this. I'm asking myself this question. Are you waking up? Are you waking up? Where do you expect to find God? If you were taught that God is present in, um, in, the, in a sanctuary, in a church building, you were taught well. I mean, we deeply honor that God meets us in the context of our gathered community, in the church building, in the temple, if you will. We acknowledge that the intangible resides in the tangible, that the universal resides in the particular. But friends, if you were taught that God stays in that place while you go home, while you go to brunch, or you go to work, or you go to school, then then your narrative is only partly written. Your next thrilling chapter in your faith story is all about how God meets you wherever you go. How God walks deeply into your life. How God is with you at work. How God is with you at school. How God is anticipating your surgery with you. How God was with you through the surgery and with you after the surgery as you're healing. How God laughs with you, cries with you, grieves with you, celebrates with you. How God is up to reformation in your life. But here's what I know. The experience of leaving and awakening is really going to feel like leaving home. It's always unsettling to leave the old, to leave what's known, to leave the familiar. But we have to do that in order to awaken to new ways of experience God's amazing grace and love in our lives. And I do know that through all of that, you can experience the freedom to explore your own faith story as you continue to write it every day. Whew, man, see what I told you? That's a lot of stuff going on there. So remember that uh, backpacking trip that I told you about when we started? I was well over 300 miles from home. As I said, the life lessons, the spirited awakenings were just beginning. That sometimes you need to leave the familiar in order to experience an awakening. Well, I finally did find the, tra- the trail. But as soon as I discovered uh, the trail and, and got going with that pack on my back, I realized that I had entirely too much stuff in my pack. And so, honestly, I'm not kidding. It was on the third day. Because amazing things always happen on the third day, don't they? I came to a moment. I had a, a come-to-Jesus moment about what I was carrying. And so what I did is I took everything out and I made, I made two piles. I made one pile of the things that I was willing to leave behind. 
and I made another pile of the things that I could carry. Guess which pile was bigger? Now, for the record, that's when I decided that I did not need the two-pound bag of M&Ms that I had packed. I didn't need two extra pairs of shoes and three extra shirts, and I didn't need my harmonica. But I did keep my small pocket Bible. And every morning for the rest of the trip, as I read the passages that I'd set aside for myself to read each day, I thought to myself, wherever I was, I thought to myself, surely, certainly, for sure, God is in this place here and now, and I know it. Maybe that's a way for you to get at your faith story, the story that God is writing into your life, your story of faith, by taking the amazing stories of Scripture and honestly looking for yourself in those stories. My promise is that when you're willing to do that, it will probably take you to a brand new place. So that, my friends, is my story, and I am sticking to it. That's enough for now. Uh, that's a bit more on story. And uh, so as we, uh, as we continue on, I just want to encourage you to visit uh, my website. That's paulgaucher.com. On that page, you'll find a couple, a couple of buttons. Uh, the Rhythms button, you can press that, and uh, you'll be taken to um, a series of words called Today's Word that I do every day except Sunday. Uh, you can follow along on Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can also search um, hashtag 100 Days 50 Words, which when I started that seemed like a good idea, but we are almost to 300 words, so we're blowing by that pretty quick. Thanks, as always, to a great team of people who make this happen, to Lisa Gustafson and Darren Hensel. You guys are great. And now a blessing. Friends, as you move through this day, may you discover what it means to thrive as a child of God, as a bearer of the image of God. May you see yourself as one in whom this ancient story of faith comes alive. May you come to know the remarkable ways that God is continuing to write the story of faith in and through you. And may the God of peace be with you. So remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here soon. Peace. Peace.